horrible excuse. What's your night about? Nuggets move on. They play Portland. I believe Portland will win. Six games. They got the rest. Nuggets are still a young team. They're going to be a data rest. Not going to be great. Jamal Murray's still super inconsistent. Jokic is the only consistent figure on that team. And he's not always aggressive. So I can't even put him in the completely consistent group. And Damian Lillard is just whew, on another level. Now, to kick off the second round of NBA basketball, the Toronto Raptors play it again. The Philadelphia 76ers also on Saturday. And boy, it was a butt whooping. It was a butt whooping. Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid just didn't show up to the the game. It was horrible. Joel Embiid going 5 of 18. Jimmy Butler 4 of 12. They both combined for 26 points on 30 shots. Joel Embiid couldn't get to the free throw line. That's where he oops. Couldn't get there. Different odds on the on the 76ers team played recently. But it still wasn't good enough. They were getting blown out this game. And then on the opposite side, I mean, Kawhi Leonard was just going off. 45 points, 16 of 23, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Just insane. He could not miss. Could not miss. And I think that this game shows that Pascal Siakam is officially the second best player on this Toronto Raptors team. And he's really good. I give him that. He's young. He's really good. He's going to blossom into a superstar. Unquestionably most improved player of the year. But I'm still not comfortable with him as a second best player. It still worries me because he's young. I need Kyle Lowry to step up. Because Kawhi Leonard is not going to put down 45 points every single day, every single game. Siakam, 12 of 15. It's a perfect game. But he's he's a rookie. Not a rookie, but he's pretty young. Excuse me for saying rookie, but he's still pretty young. Still got a lot of maturing and growing to do. You look at it, the bench scored 10 points for the Raptors. The other three starters, Marcus Gall, Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, combined for 24 points. 34 points between the bench and those three starters. Kawhi Leonard is not going to be there to carry the offense every single time. He's great, but he's not going to be there to carry it every single time. Kyle Lowry needs to step up. But with that in mind, I still see the Raptors winning this series pretty nicely because I don't think the 76ers just have that motivation or that true grit or that true hunger in them. They still have a very immature arrogance to them. In my in my mind's eye. Jimmy Butler, I see the hunger. I see the desire. And Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, that's still a bit of immaturity there. Now let's check out Celtics and Bucks to tip off Sunday's matchup early. Whew. I mean, this game was pretty much a wrap from halftime and on. I mean, the Celtics got off to a pretty nice start, leading by nine at the end of the first quarter. And then that lead dwindled down to two points. But then since then, it was just a wrap. 
then I gotta say, going into the series, I I thought the Bucks were gonna win this in seven games, but I definitely thought that they were gonna win game one at home, prove themselves, prove themselves. They wanted Boston, prove themselves. But boy, was I wrong. Boston, I viewed them as being not having the team chemistry fully yet. The Bucks, I saw them as defensively amazing, number one team in the NBA, record-wise, defensively, great offensive team, can shoot the three, put the ball on the floor, get to the paint, draw fouls, everything. Boston, I saw as lackluster on defense. I saw that series against the Pacers. A lot of the games were really, really close. Pacers had the second-best defense in the league, not a great offense. So you put that against the Bucks team with the best defense in the league and a great offense. I mean, it's clear. Bucks should be winning. But Boston is just like the Pittsburgh Steelers. They play up and down to the competition. It could be sustainable maybe for the Celtics, considering that it's a series. Not, just, not so sustainable for the Steelers because they're football team. All, all the playoff games are one and done. Might work a bit better for the Celtics. But Boston played with amazing grit and defense. They held Giannis 22 points on 21 shots. 17 and 8. And the only reason why Giannis was able to get 22 points was because he hit 3 out of 5 three-point shots. He couldn't hit his free throws. Couldn't get into the paint. He got blocked by Horford. Horford was tremendous on the defensive end. He got three blocks the whole game. He got a couple on Giannis. He was amazing physical presence. And every single time Giannis went into the lane, into the paint, he was double teamed on either side. Couldn't hoist up a shot. He just turned the ball over. He made the wrong pass several times, or didn't pass, and took a bad shot. And Middleton and Miritich, Giannis's teammates, were the only players besides Giannis on the Bucks team that scored over 10 points, which is ridiculous. When you have talents like Brooke Lopez and Eric Bledsoe on that squad, you got to score more than 10 points, both of them, both of them. And you know, I know that Brooke Lopez has transformed into a three-point shooter, a deadly one from long range. But he's got to dominate in the paint because if Horford's guarding Giannis, there's no other big on the floor to guard Brooke Lopez, which means you can get a mismatch with him on Kyrie or of him on Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown was a phenomenal game, I must say. Him with Jason Tatum, it was all right, but you know, Jalen Brown was kind of off. Kyrie Irving did his thing, but like I said, Brooke Lopez needs to go into the paint and dominate. Go into the post. Three-point shot won't always be there. But you got to dominate in, in the post, in the paint. And also, when Giannis goes in there, it's an easy way to get rebounds. Because right now, when Giannis goes in there, the, the, the Celtics are easily double-teaming him. And he'll hoist up a shot, and it's going to be a miss. And the Celtics get the ball back because there's no one there to rebound. Lopez is there. But you know, maybe he tips the ball out or kicks it back to Giannis, puts it in, 
made a bug or maybe a bucket completely changes the whole dynamic. So here's the problem with this. If this was if this was maybe a five point loss, I could say, you know, the books can definitely bounce back from this. But this was a dominating twenty two point loss at home. Round two open. Game one. And when you lose by twenty two in the playoffs, it's not one thing you need to fix. It's multiple things. So if the Bucks do not win the next game, game two, at home, uh, I could see the Celtics winning this in five. Yeah, that's right, five games. But I still have the Bucks in seven. I still got a little faith in them. I still got a bit more faith in them. But their, laugh, their lack of experience is definitely showing. In the playoff experience, in just team chemistry finally coming together at the right moment. Playoff Kyrie, playoff Al Horford. Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward showing flashes more and more and more of his self before injury. Jalen Brown having a tremendous game. Marcus Morris making his presence known on defense. And Jason Tatum doing you know what he does. Making some nice shots here and there. He still has some growing to do. All that coming together and all of that is and all that is showing for the Boston Celtics. So the Bucks need to change something quick. Otherwise they are in a deep world of hurt. And now for the last game of Sunday. Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors. The Warriors won this game. Four points. 104 to 100. Harden was completely inefficient from the field in this game. He struggled for a majority of the first half and finally got things going a bit here and there in little stretches, but nothing too crazy going on for him. He had several setbacks, but never got into a complete rhythm, which is good for the Warriors, of course. And then Chris Paul and Eric Gordon were really the only players that were playing well for the Rockets, and they were playing pretty phenomenally. Eric Gordon hitting, hitting some uh, some threes, especially in the fourth quarter, to make sure that, that, that the Rockets still had a chance. And, you know, Chris Paul doing what he does, dishing the ball out, making, making some tough shots, making some tough fadeaways in the, in the mid-range area. And you know what? P.J. Tucker did a pretty nice job on on uh, Kevin Durant, making sure that he was not efficient at all either. He wasn't completely inefficient, but he was pretty bad for a majority of the game for the first half. But then that second half, Durant, woo, bam. He was really good in that second half, but not great, even though he scored 35 points total for the whole game. It wasn't spectacular because he shot the ball. 25 times, only made 11. Yeah, 15 points from the free throw line. From the strike, from the charity strike. Horton got 13 there. Four, 13 out of 14 there as well. But what really kept the Rockets in this game at all, especially with Harden playing horribly in the first half, was that Clay and Seth and Iguodala all got in deep foul trouble. Especially Seth Curry. 
he's been having trouble with that. He's been wearing these no-reach shoes, and he's been telling himself that in the post-game interviews. He's still been doing it. And for the Rockets, when, you know, Grant's not having his best game, Draymond's really the only player that's, you know, playing great offensively, consistently, throughout the whole game. Clay hasn't been showing up that much uh, throughout the whole game. Steph's been out with some foul trouble. This is just a game. Probably to to take. But Draymond got it going offensively early. Grant got that going later on with some with some nice defensive plays, you know, some some nice defensive stops. And Steph closed it out with a clutch jump shot. Who was that in front of him? Ime, Therese. One of those two. No, it was in front of him, but yeah, you know. A nice move. Dribble dribble. Right to the right wing. Boom. Close it out. Clutch shot. I mean, the Rockets had a chance. Eric Gordon, deep three. Boom. Made it. Three-point game. Steal it from Durant. I don't know how that that's going from Durant. But they're playing five, six ball, I guess. Steal it to James Harden. Takes a three-pointer. And that's where all the controversy, controversy around this game comes in. The foul. The referee. Some crying to the referees. The Rockets did, and you know the Warriors did a, a bit of it here and there. Now the Rockets were complaining, James Harden, Chris Paul, especially, that they were not given space to land. Now, do me a favor and rewind your three-point attempts. You will notice that James Harden jumps straight up and then extends his feet three feet or more past where he jumps up from into the defender, whether it be KD, Draymond, or Clay, or Iggy, or Steph, kicking his feet out, and then flopping onto the ground. And you expect me to call that a foul? Now, maybe some here and there where, where they touch the arm, yeah, maybe you can call that. Don't be flopping and expecting calls when you're the one that's constantly initiating contact. Were there some that Clay might have fouled him? Sure. But not all of them for sure. If anything, some of them were offensive fouls on James Harden. It's been called before for extending the legs, taking out the legs into the defender. Because the, because the defender also has a right to the space that they are in. Same as Chris Paul. When his shot got made it over Sean Livingston, he extended his butt out into Sean Livingston and, and fell down. You expect me to call that a foul? No. That's not going to be an offensive foul either. Shouldn't be a foul at all. If you're the one, if you're initiating the contact, that's on you. That's on you. So, so don't be crying on the ref. Now, the second technical foul on Chris Paul that got him ejected at the end of the game with like four seconds left, 4.4 seconds left. Now I can see that, okay, yeah. Probably shouldn't have gotten ejected. Shouldn't have been intentional. It was a little bump into the ref. 
was it intentional? I don't know. Maybe a bit. Maybe it was a bit. But you can't keep complaining like that. Just recently, The Athletic pointed out that the Rockets for a while now have been collecting data to show that the Warriors have got some officiating, some fair, some some favorable calls their way. First of all, that seems really petty, unnecessary, a poor excuse for their failures in the past in the playoffs. Poor excuse. You don't get better that way. You get better by saying, hey, I messed up. Probably shouldn't be flopping as much. Maybe I should be taking the normal shot. How about that? Try that for a change. And then also, maybe they're just better than you. How about that? You had plenty of chances throughout the year. Plenty of chances. Shot below 30% from the three. That's that's your forte, right? How about you make some shots? Huh? How about that? Just an idea there. But then also, at the same time, we can go through numerous times where both Chris Paul James Harden have pushed off on several shots dating back to when the Warriors played against the Rockets a few years ago. Warriors won 4-1. to And I believe the one game that the Warriors lost, it was James Harden hitting a game winner, pushing off of, I believe, Clay Thompson. Literally pushing off of him, pushing him to the ground. Or close to it, at least. And hitting a mirror hitting a mid-range shot. We can call numerous fouls like that. Pushing off on the Rockets. On James Harden and Chris Paul. Numerous times. Numerous travels by James Harden that he has gone away with on that step back where he actually stepped it back twice. Traveled. You can call that. But I don't think you want to go into a deep dive of fouls penalties all right and give the Warriors their credit they defended pretty well they made it tough on James Harden to get a shot off made it tough on Chris Paul also to make a shot pretty well made it tough on Eric Gordon completely eliminated Clint Capella and I've had this belief for a while Clint Capella he's he's a pretty good defensive player but offensively he gets hit from lobs he can't create for himself I've had that belief for a while now. And it came into fruition again. Only four points. Two from free throws. The other from, guess what? A lob. James Harden himself. So give the Warriors their credit. They defended pretty well. Now I believe in Houston, they'll probably get a few more favorable calls. Their way. Do you really want to see the Rockets get 40 free throws in this game? At halftime, the Warriors had four total free throws. The Rockets had 14. So, you tell me who's getting a bit more of the uh, favorables at times. So, don't go complaining. Looks petty, looks bad on you, and it's just not the right way to play and grow as a team.
right, that'll do for the GT. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And have a wonderful day.